invite you to turn with me now to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And as you uh, begin to look at these uh, verses, you will see that these are some fitting verses, uh, or fitting at least on the front end. The second part of it may be a little bit more difficult for us to see, but hopefully you'll grasp where we're headed. But fitting verses for us to consider on Mother's Day, as Jesus will remind us of the beauty of seeing the dependent nature of children. And certainly any parent has a vantage point on that, but I think certainly moms have a unique vantage point of seeing the beauty of the dependent nature of little ones. And we want to see that particularly in contrast to our propensity and one particular individual we're going to look at in the second part of our passage this morning, the rich young ruler, his propensity to try to live life self-sufficient. We want to look today at that contrast between dependency upon God and what that means for entering in and living in the kingdom of God, how beautiful that is for the kingdom of God, in contrast to our propensity to want to live in self-sufficiency. So I invite you to stand in recognition of the power, the truth of God's word, and I will read aloud as you read along silently with me from Mark uh, chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 13. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, A good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. And they were exceedingly astonished. And he said and said to him, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. 
Peter began to say to him, See, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You may be seated and let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, we praise you that you remind us of the beauty of walking in dependence upon you and the absolute necessity of it for your kingdom. Teach us today what that means for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. House crashers, renovation realities, homes on homes. Desperate landscapes. I've mentioned before my newfound affection for the DIY network. Do-it-yourself network. But the latest observation I've had enjoying watching people tear out relatively nice things and replace them with other things is that the do-it-yourself network is not about doing it yourself. Every single show on the do-it-yourself network involves some people that can't handle the project on their own. They can't do it themselves. That's why the people are making money on TV coming in to rescue them in the rescue renovation and be the yard crashers and do whatever they need to do to help. There is no do-it-yourself project on the do-it-yourself network And Jesus reminds us in these verses that there's absolutely no room for a do-it-yourself project in the kingdom of God either. If you want to follow along with where we're headed, you can turn to that back portion of your worship guide where there's some sermon notes, and you'll see this main idea laid out before us. I would add in one word uh, to that main idea. It says, by God's grace, I think we should say only by God's grace, can we repent, turn away from self-sufficiency, and enter the kingdom of God through dependent faith. As we look at our passage today, it will help us to introduce a little bit these what Jesus says about children and then also this rich young ruler, and then we'll get into some points about them. Uh, Let me say first that there's there's a lot you could take from this passage about Jesus' perspective on children, on little ones. And obviously one of the things is that he he loves them. He cares for them. He's he's definitely not the, the angry neighbor out in the yard with a pitchfork. Get off my lawn, kids. Get out of here, kids. He's the exact opposite of that. He says, come, come to me. He loves these little ones and cares for them. He also says, though, for people to bring their children to him. And we mentioned this a few weeks ago, actually just in the last chapter of Mark. that spoke about children, and there was the warning not to do anything that would keep children from coming to him. We said the reverse of that is, 
is what we see this morning, bringing, trying to be intentional about having our children exposed to Jesus. So we certainly see that in these verses, the benefits of, of taking time to get our kids to a place like church, but not just at church, in the home, to pick up, open the Bible up and read the Bible with our kids, to talk to them about your testimony, even if it's uh, bumps and bruises and stumbles you've made along the way in your life, even to share some of those things. Here's how God was faithful to mom and dad. Even where we made some false steps along the way. Whatever it would be to, to share, to teach, to give, to pour into, to bring those children to Jesus through teaching. And then, of course, we could say in, in our church context, this isn't a, a passage that makes the case for uh, baptizing little ones, but it certainly supports that idea that we bring them and we look for God to look into their life, to work in their life. We bring them to Jesus. And all of this, of course, we know from Psalm 51 and other passages in Scripture that Jesus is not saying that little kids are perfect. We're celebrating Mother's Day today. That's a tough calling. Those little ones are challenging. That sin nature rises up real early on. And Psalm 51, of course, David reminds us that we, all of us, are sinful from the time our mothers conceived us. So Jesus isn't teaching that here. All of those things are helpful, but the main thing that we see in these verses, in every place in the Gospels, this passage about little children coming to Jesus, you can look if you want, in, uh, in Matthew and Luke as well sometime, it is put right before this incident with the rich young ruler. It's always juxtaposed with that. And I think it's for this purpose, that Jesus' main message in talking to us about children here, while all those other things are true, is that they show us, they demonstrate dependency and the beauty of living in dependent faith upon the Lord, in contrast to the rich young ruler. Let's say a few things about him for a minute as well. Uh, certainly this is a passage on the one hand that's uh, about money, that's about our possessions and the things that can do to our soul. Uh, we're reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, as we look at these verses where it says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became pure, poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And that's in a section of 2 Corinthians. It's all about God's vision for us to be people who give, who are giving people, who reflect God's giving nature. Uh, certainly, that's a biblical principle. It's also one of those things uh, for all of us, moms or dads, that's easy to teach our little ones. You know, when they're having that fight over uh, whose toy it is or when you're in the grocery store line and they want uh, something before they leave the store. I've got to have this toy, the Pokemon cards, whatever it is. And you remind them it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's pretty easy for us to say that to the little ones. It's pretty hard for us as adults to live by that, isn't it? The hypocrisy is astounding sometimes, isn't it, that we show upon ourselves. And, of course, all of these things are true. So, on the one hand, this is a passage, and we could do a whole message today on that element, the, the calling to uh, reflect God in the resources he's given to us. 
But the message is really more than that. The message is about the rich young ruler as an exemplar of one who uses those resources to try to live life in complete self-sufficiency from the living God of the universe. That's the message. This contrast between dependence and self-reliance. So feel free to take and absorb some of those other lessons. Maybe for uh, you and for me, money is not so much or possessions is not so much the thing that we kind of put our value in and build our self-sufficiency on. It might be something different in, in your life or in my life. The point is this. We're prone to do that. We're prone to find some way to prop ourselves up. And so that's what I want us to talk about. Let's look at the rich young ruler, see what he teaches us about self-sufficiency. Then we're going to see the beauty of what we see from little children and what we're to learn about them, of how to walk in dependency, and then draw some concluding points from it. First thing we see is this self-sufficient issue. I like what uh, Tim Keller says. The hardest thing to give is in. The hardest thing to give is in. Again, the issue is not so much what it is that causes this rich young ruler to live in a dependent way or independent way instead of a dependent way. It's the fact that he will not give in to Jesus. He won't see, he won't put himself in a place of being in need and receiving mercy from him. The hardest thing to give is in. It's interesting that we do call him the rich young ruler. I just learned this this week. You might be interested to know this. Mark talks about him being rich. Actually, all the Gospels mention his wealth. Uh, Matthew refers to the fact that he's young. And Luke tell, tells us that he's a ruler. So when you put all those three together, you know, we got our RTR down here that some of y'all get excited about. This is the RYR, the rich young ruler. And the Gospels as a whole, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are informing us of a couple of things that can give us a sense of self-sufficiency. Certainly resources, possessions. Uh, most of us uh, here, if we live in some element of middle-class America, are wealthy people compared to the rest of the world. So Jesus is cautioning us here. Wow, that, that can be a false sense of self-sufficiency. That's one, so rich. Young. Whatever stage of life we're in, but especially if we are at a younger stage of life or perceive ourselves as still being in a younger stage of life, you feel like i got plenty of time. got lots of time before that eternal life is coming. So let's just, you know, focus on things down here. Let's not be worrying about things off there. Youth can give us that propensity to be self-sufficient or feel like we would be. And then if you're a ruler, you know, if you're running the show, if you're in charge of something, it tends to make us self-sufficient. That's the case with the rich young ruler, and I think it's helpful to see those tendencies in ourselves as well. Look at me, look with me at these verses in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. It's interesting. He comes up to Jesus and asks him this question, good teacher, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, you almost picture if this guy was living today, he'd have his smartphone and his reminder for the morning of this day is, you know, knock out eternal life. Knock out eternal life. You know, go, go find some way to figure this out. He's used to handling problems. He's used to solving things. He's young. He's rich. He's a ruler. He's a Jesus. Tell me, what's the deal? Close the deal for me. 
What's the end equation? How do we, how do we finish this thing out? Eternal life. And Jesus, as we see later, loves him enough to speak into his world. Jesus loves us enough to speak into our world as well today where we're susceptible to the same thing. He tells them a couple of key things. Look with me at verse 18. He says, no one is good except God alone. He says, first of all, you've got to define your standard of goodness, of eternal life. It's about God and a relationship with God, and he's perfectly good. And then he reminds the guy of these commandments. You notice which commandment Jesus doesn't mention? He skips the early ones there along, but what's the real obvious one that he's kind of missing there? He doesn't say, do not covet. Do not covet. He's trying to gently expose this man to the issues he's dealing with, to the sin issues that would keep him away from the living God, to show him his need for mercy. He doesn't mention that I shall not covet. And the young man says, sure, I've kept all these from my youth. I got these things taken care of. Either his pride is that big or he doesn't understand the gravity of the commandments and the glory of God, whatever it is, it keeps him from seeing his need. And so Jesus tells him, not not so much to uh, inaugurate some monastic order or whatever, but he says, okay, if you really are surrendered to the living God, ought to be no big deal to take everything you've got and offload it to be a blessing to the poor. Notice Jesus even says, I'll give you treasures in heaven. The guy's question was, how do I get eternal life? How do I just get in there, you know, on the base level? He doesn't say anything about treasures in heaven. Jesus says, I'll tell you what, I'll even throw in treasures in heaven. That's all you got to do. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible, if you just pause to read it and to put yourself in his shoes a little bit, And think about whatever those things are in your life and my life that tend to push us away from Jesus and dependence upon Jesus. To listen to this verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus offers him a fantastic deal. All the stuff this guy's got, rich, young, ruler, it's going to go away. And Jesus offers him treasures in heaven. And he doesn't see the beauty of the deal. I hope we can see it today. Jesus helps us to see that. We're jumping back now. Our second point. By giving us this model of children. Now, again, we mentioned a few weeks ago, our, our culture is a little schizophrenic. We sort of worship our kids, and then we sort of, you know, like the people in Jesus' day, undervalue them. But in Jesus' day, apparently it was pretty much more of just undervaluing them and serve a big purpose, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. And so when people are coming and bringing their kids to Jesus, if you look back at verse 13, the disciples are trying to manage the crowd around Jesus. So they say, get lost. Jesus says, no, come unto me. And again, it's not just a passage about his love for kids. It's about how that teaches us. Because he says this, let the little children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child 
shall not enter it. He's trying to teach all of us a lesson about the beauty, the privilege of walking in dependence. And goodness, isn't this, a, isn't this the message of the whole Bible when you think about it? Hey, we can't even go through all the passages, but start back with Adam and Eve. What was their big stumbling block? They thought, well, we can find in our plan, in our program, a better program than God's. God's provided us this whole garden with all these things to enjoy, but our plan is going to be better. We're going to go with this one tree that he's forbidden. And then you think about all the Old Testament folks we can name. Uh, each one of them certainly had their fallenness and their, uh, their uh, propensity to sin, but they also model for us the beauty of dependency. Noah putting up a, a boat in the middle of nowhere with no rain in sight. That's dependent faith. Abraham, who had a great wealth and great family and was called to leave that family and go to the promised land. Moses, what could be more uh, a stronger picture of dependence than this little rescuer of God's people floating down the Nile River on a little basket made of reeds or the same man wandering in the desert or the same man facing up against the Red Sea with the greatest military power in the world at the time coming upon him with nowhere to go or that same man leading millions through the wilderness with no promise of food unless that manna comes down from the sky. Dependence everywhere. We could talk about Gideon. We could talk about David versus Goliath. We could talk about Daniel and the lion's den. The stories go on and on. And you know what's interesting? You start to see that pattern over and over again, and you read these verses, and you realize it's not that these folks happened to get in the Bible to make the top list. It's that that's the way God likes to work. That's the way he wants it to happen. He likes for us to be in a place. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable for us to not feel like we've got control, to not feel like we can manage the things in our life, but God loves for us to be in that place if it will draw us closer to him, if it will allow us to be used in a greater way by him because we walk in dependence. Do you believe that today? It's an important question. That we believe that. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. Now, if you're like me, you say, well, I understand that concept. I, I think I understand why I'd want to be in that place of dependence. I don't know how to get there. I'm a lot closer to the rich young ruler. Again, it may not be wealth or whatever, but there's these other things in my life that kind of prop me up, and I don't want to let them go. And be in dependence completely upon the Lord. And that's where the last part of these verses is beautiful. Again, it reminds us of the dangers of wealth, certainly, and a, a camel not being able to go through the eye of the needle. But here's the main point. The disciples were astonished. In verse 26 it tells us, and they asked, who then can be saved? They weren't just thinking, hey, some special group of super wealthy people aren't going to be able to do this. They knew this is all of us are affected by this. Who's going to be able to make it if this is the case? Here's the beautiful thing that Jesus says. Verse 27. With man, it is impossible, but not with God. 
all things are possible with God. We live in a real man-centered, human-centered world. There's even the philosophy of it called humanism, which basically is just a structured way of, uh, of uh, giving some name to our pride, to our self-sufficiency, that we can figure out our way through life. I found this little poem. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a tad, tad on the sobering side for Mother's Day, but it was too good to pass up. For our impossibility of saving ourselves, of rescuing ourselves, you've got it in your worship guide. A humanist choking at sea, called for help and presently received in full intensity advice. You must swim if you would be. Rescue breeds dependency. Self-reliance makes one free. That's nice, he said, and floated easily in dead. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Folks, the, the rich young ruler just wants some advice. Just give me some consulting. Help me figure out how to close this eternal life deal. Oh, we desperately need salvation we desperately need mercy we desperately need a savior who takes our place pound for pound for me and for you when we trust in him that's how we secure eternal life it's only by god's grace working in our life working in our hearts in that way and look at what it says this last promise of verses 29 through 31 uh peter (laughs) peter's always interesting he's like Hey, did you notice that we left our stuff? <laughs> did, you, you, did you notice that? I don't know if you saw that, Jesus, but we left our stuff. Uh, did you make a note of that? Because we'd like to make sure that gets in the little book. Oh, goodness. Well, what's his, his issue there? Well, Jesus says this, amazingly, says you're going to get all this stuff now. Make sure we understand that it's not some prosperity gospel because he mentions in there, with persecutions. Did you notice that? Just to keep our anchor, just keep us anchored on the ground. By the way, there's going to be persecutions. And then receive all this in eternal life. What's he saying there? Well, we know the eternal life part. Jesus says, I prepare a place for you. Uh, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. We are promised those blessings uh, when we yield in dependence to the eternal life that's offered through Jesus. What about in this life? What do we enjoy in the church family? We think today, Mother's Day, good day to think about the blessings of our biological family, and they're wonderful. What do we enjoy in the church family? Brothers, sisters, mothers who are ahead of us in the faith, fathers who are ahead of us in the faith. We enjoy all those things now. God's already given them to us in the church family, which is blessed as our earthly families are. The church family even exceeds the blessings of that. Let me give a couple of application points, if I can, directly, since it is Mother's Day. and These will apply, uh, some of them to mom, some of them to all the ladies here, but let me mention this. Especially this dependence issue. We live in a culture that's continuing to elevate a vision of uh, femininity, a vision certainly of motherhood as well, that is the tough girl picture. Hard to find a movie these days that doesn't have some gal doing the karate and chopping some guy down. The picture is of strength. You've got to have strength in yourself and physical strength to be able to be a woman in this world, certainly to be a mom. The Gospels remind us it's beautiful for all of us, men and women, 
to be dependent upon the Lord. That's a good place to be. Don't have to replace it with some kind of worldly toughness. It's also uh, tough to depend on God with the, the real needs of our children. Moms, here, so many of you do such a wonderful job of making sure those kids are well-fed, eating good food, making sure they get to the good, the right clubs or the right, uh, right activities as kids, and there's lots of effort put in that. And I would just encourage us, many of you are doing it already, the most important thing we can bring to them is that spiritual wealth. That spiritual wealth of dependence upon the Lord, of modeling that, of lifting up and praying, not just this next activity to do, not just this next thing to take them to, but God, please work in the life of my child to call out each day in that kind of dependence. The best thing we can be doing above and and over and around all of those other good things that we would do. And lastly, for all of us, This is a passage about our tendency to put our stock in the things of this world. Moms, dads as well, to run after everything of this life and to miss the blessings of dependence in the kingdom of God. Jesus invites us to enjoy that. Like little children, to come come unto him in great dependence and enjoy his blessing, enjoy his love, enjoy his affection. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we do praise You and we thank You that You call us to this place of dependence. And Lord, in our flesh, we just buck against that. It's not what we want in ourselves. Thank You for Your good Word that confronts us with our need to walk in such dependence that we might realize the blessings, the things of Your kingdom houses and mothers and fathers and all the things that you have for us. In this life, we begin to enjoy them through kingdom eyes, seeing you, and certainly in the next as well. Let us enter. Let us live in the kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.